Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, the podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched The Unborn. Unborn, a married couple have been trying to have a baby for five years with no success. At the recommendation of a co-worker, they go to a fertility clinic and have an in vitro fertilization performed. As the baby continues to grow, the mother, played by Brooke Adams, experiences strange sensations and exhibits unexplained behavior. After discussing her troubles with other patients, she learns that she's not the only one. Screenplay by John Prancato and Michael Ferris, both credited under the pseudonym Henry Dominic, Directed by Rodman Flender and released on March 29th, 1991. Have you seen The Unborn before? No, I haven't. Me either. I've seen The Box a lot. Okay. Um, it's the one that we watched. We watched the VHS copy. And we we're sad to say that there are no coming attractions in this one either. This is like the second VHS in a row. Popcorn being the most recent, where there's no previews, no additional promotional material, so we don't, you know, that's part of the fun of having physical media is to have that kind of stuff to talk about too, and we don't get to. Um, but we watched a 2001 re-release of this, um, which is odd that that existed, but uh, and you know, it's it's a Roger Corman classic, and they wanted to brand it as such. So I'm aware of it just because I think it had something. Of a minor cult following, but I I know nothing about it. Uh, Going into the movie, though, you know, it's... I found that it was a very, very slow-building horror film. Much slower than I would have anticipated. It, It was just like a regular movie about a couple trying to have a baby for half of it. (laughs) <laughs> like three quarters i don't even know yeah. and then it gets really crazy near the end yeah so i mean there should be i don't know if i'm you, sure a lot of that's deliberate but like still. for a horror well okay well actually no because the very first scene is yeah, yeah. is a couple and you know it's we don't know their names it's just a couple and the woman like the man and the woman they're like kissing in bed i guess and then the woman starts you know having maybe contractions yeah i mean well it starts she's like eating like meat straight out from oh, the yeah, fridge yeah. because you see blood dripping outside the fridge and you're like oh what's that blood and it pans up and it's like and her just eating, her like, eating... entire ham or yeah something like, like a bloody ham <laughs> and uh and then it cuts to them like um in bed in and, bed and, and he's on top of her or something and then like her stomach explodes yeah she starts screaming starts yeah she starts screaming and then the guy doesn't even do anything after two minutes of her screaming i mean if someone's screaming you'd be like oh let me get some help 
But he's just sitting there like, what, what are you doing? And what's going on? And to, to, to the point where literally the child just escaped from her stomach? Basically. You know, they don't show it. They don't show it, but all of a sudden her stomach is open and there's blood and she's dead. Yeah. And then show... that was that scene. For... Yeah. And, that and was the quote. Like, in, in, in horror as, you know, yeah, yeah. covering under the, uh, under the covers. Um, but then you don't see anything, quote, scary until an hour and ten minutes in. I don't after that. I don't know. Yeah, it's like a 90-minute movie. And I think, yeah, the opening scene is probably there to, to be say, like, hey, yeah, this stick is with us. Yeah. There is something happening here. We know it's going to take a while to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the part that we get, you know, like the, the just generic husband and wife dynamic and them having this stuff it's it's okay like it's not terrible no i don't hate it i was just like when are we gonna get to some exciting stuff i don't know yeah i mean the the two leads we got brooke adams as virginia and then her husband is played by jeff hayenga i'm not sure if if that's how you pronounce it h-a-y-e-n-g-a Ayenga. um they have a good rapport between each other i think their dynamic is good you know they they you know, work well um together and they you know seem like a very natural couple very good dialogue overall but yeah nothing happens for the most part you get like these little tiny scenes that are supposed to make you think that something weird is going to happen but i think the only reason you think that is because you know you're watching a horror movie mm. you know like you meet the new age couple who are doing the um pregnancy like, class yeah, the yeah yeah and you have like this waspy co-workers who keep talking about how hyper intelligent their daughter is um yeah just comparing their lives to theirs saying how much better they are because they have children that are smart yeah so like there's these little tiny hints that are dropped yeah. um but nothing really happens until that two-year-old ends up killing uh, the older. her older brother. Yeah, but that's <laughs> off screen. Yeah, you don't, you don't even see you see it. the aftermath, but you don't see um, you don't see the actual act of it. It's just yeah, those parents come home, uh, the housekeeper is there, uh, or nanny or whatever it is. Um, the, the lights are all off. I mean, and, yeah, yeah. The, this couple is. I mean, they're meant to be like fucking assholes yeah but it just like like they come in well the power is out i'm assuming because of the little girl yes because yeah like she's just hyper intelligent like she just turned it off to go kill her brother uh it's like a power surge because like she basically like dumped electronics or like a toaster okay okay i thought she turned the light like she cut cut the lights killed her brother and so in the dark yeah i mean so instead of like blowing one fuse it blew the entire house the entire house yeah but so and yeah so this stupid couple comes in and you know their poor nanny slash housekeeper is frantic yeah it's like oh my god the baby the baby yeah she's like the baby the baby and then this 
piss me off is they're like speak english it's like she's yeah. literally saying the baby I, I think she said a couple words that were in spanish like yeah like oh adios mio whatever but i was like <laughs> shut shut up but then yeah and they think you know something's wrong with the little girl but then they see their son in a bathtub dead yep and then and the then, little girl's in the corner just giggling to herself. Yeah, they ask they ask the housekeeper, well, what happened? And she's like, the baby, the baby, the baby did, did this. It, yeah. And then that was that scene, though. That was it, yeah. And then, like, it basically cuts to the funeral, and then um, the little two-year-old baby murderer um, comes up to Virginia, who is now, like, showing and visibly pregnant for, you know, however many months it's been. And just starts like creepily rubbing her stomach at the funeral, that, and just like, I mean, that scene is creepy to me. Oh, like, yeah. if a creepy child came up to me and started touching me, I'd be like, "Leave me alone forever, thank you." Yeah, like but, I, I, I appreciate the dialogue in most of the scenes, but that scene needed like a little bit of dialogue. Like Virginia yeah. should have been like saying something. But Virginia instead, she should just have been. Like, looks at her she just looks at too. her like, yeah, she gives her a the. I don't want to say the baby because she's the toddler. Yeah, I don't know. it's a two-year-old or something like that. Is what the they toddler kept a look, and then but that was the end of that scene. Yeah, there's no talking, but I yeah I, I mean, mean they're you know trying what's to implying, do but yeah I mean, they're implying you know that you're gonna have a killer baby yeah because like, she's probably like. I mean, no, that family was probably, didn't say how that their son died, I'm assuming. Like, they didn't go about saying, oh, my two-year-old daughter killed my nine-year-old son or how. Oh, no, yeah, they probably would have played it off as an accident, but we never hear a word from the family, you know, that's the last we hear of, uh... Of the uh, whatevers. Yeah, whatevers. (laughs) DeWitts. The whatevers. (laughs) Yeah, the DeWitts. Whatever. Yeah, but it, it makes you think it's kind of like... You know, evil children, you know, like the omen or whatever. Yeah, or which I haven't the, seen. The bad but... seed or, you know, they have the good son. I mean, there's so many, like, yeah, for sure. evil children movies that are way better than this. <laughs> uh, I mean, th- but this one has its moments. It just takes a long time for them to show up. That's the biggest gripe that I have with this movie. So, yeah, I mean, it, that kind of stuff happens. And in, in, in the meantime, you know, Beth is... Uh, not Beth. Virginia meets characters like Beth at this um, like Lamaze type class for pregnant women, um, who all have come from that clinic, as far as we know, including um, the teachers. There's two teachers in the clinic, and they both, you know, they're they're you know a couple, and they have um, also used the doctor's services, Doctor Meyerling's services of uh, fertilization, um, and so yeah, like. Virginia gets to talking about things to Beth, and, and Beth is like, hey, something's really wrong, and everyone has the same rash on their neck, and everyone's, like, experiencing, like, this weird behavior that they don't know about, and so Beth works as a reporter, and she starts to dig in and learns that Dr. Meyerling isn't, like, really a, you know, fully accredited, or he's not, like, a specialist in this area or some crap. He's, like, a geneticist and stuff like that, so mm-hmm. it, it gets into, like, some weird spots. Like, they, they go into some weird... Um, 90s directions with like science and you know uh mental health stigmas and stuff like that that are sort of like peppered in there um which was interesting to see it's like 
the the fear of like you know have you heard of the human genome project <laughs> yeah. you know like as if it's like this nefarious well, yeah, thing and then you because also, people didn't know about it back then right yeah you also see virginia reading like a national Enquirer type yeah. magazine but she's laughing at it laughing at time, it so. but it's also just the article she's reading is about like alien babies or whatever yeah. she's cracking up over that so yeah it's like the it's just, uh whatever the news world today the bat boy yeah thing that was clearly always meant to be fake mm-hmm. but was very prominent at that time um and they also talk about depression and, and virginia uses that as a reason why like i guess legitimate doctors wouldn't believe her or something i don't fully understand where that was going but basically she was afraid to talk to people because of her history of depression and yeah, she was afraid her baby was going to catch it because yeah. her mother suffered from depression and that was like a big but they don't even show any of thing. that throughout the movie no not really i mean they show abnormal behavior from her and she has like that depressive episode where they have you know like where she destroys her own house yeah but every other pregnant woman from that clinic had the same lashing out right but i mean it, it factors into the plot just in terms of conversation is, yeah. is what i mean and, and you know they she's afraid of not being taken seriously and I think one of the biggest plot holes in this entire thing is that she doesn't go try to see another legitimate doctor at all. Yeah, she doesn't get, like, a second opinion or wants to see another OBGYN or something like that. I don't... Even when, you know, she learns from Beth that Dr. Marling may not be what he's supposed to be and that he shouldn't necessarily be trusted, mm-hmm. um, she does things like plays that New Age music on your right. cassette that was given to her by Dr. Meyerling to calm down. And then um, to take some random pills along with it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there is a scene where she is listening to that music, but then she hears kind of, like, subliminal messages from him that goes to the fetus, I guess. Yeah, which you knew was going to be on the tape as soon as you, as yeah. soon as, you know, she handed, <laughs> was handed the tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Because, again, that's another 90s trope, right? Like, that's, you know... Yeah, all this, like... This is the they're fear making fun of, of like, 90s the parents. New, yeah, they're making fun of, like, all this new-agey stuff, like, crystals. Like, because that's what that couple was. They're doing, like, the holistic way of... Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. They're presented as, you know, extremely hippie lesbian couple... Yeah, yeah, ...who is, you know, practicing this thing. And so, you know, they have this connection to this doctor. And so they may be sort of nefarious from that perspective, too. And so, yeah, it's very much like, this is different, so it's wrong. Like, it's like it's considered kind of, like, witchcrafty and yeah. it's wrong. Yeah, exactly. Like, That's the, sort of the, the vibe the, that they're the trying whole, to get The whole, like, off. still, like, that satanic panic type of mm-hmm. thing. Residuals of that. Um, and there's a lot of talk about, you know, cats are bad for pregnancy and Yeah, there was a like whole that. thing about, like, cats and the cat poop is just bad for pregnant women. And, and uh, Virginia and the Marshalls have a white cat. So you don't have the black cat, at least. So but um, so there's there's all those types of different things. And yeah, like I said, the Human Genome Project and what Beth learns from a call from the doctor that she gets that we see mm-hmm. is that her baby, I think the line was that the baby has 51 chromosomes in her baby. Yeah. Um, and upon learning that, 
you know, the, the doctor's like, well, uh, something like, we don't know what this means. And, and Beth is like, well, how do you not know what this means? You're a doctor. And she hangs up really angrily. Mm-hmm. And then she just grabs a kitchen knife and stabs herself in the stomach over and over again until she dies rather than possibly go to the doctor and get treatment or, you know, try right. to figure out something else or do more tests or whatever it is. And I'm assuming that a lot of that can be explained away by saying the baby's sort of controlling her. But. Yeah, I mean. Th- the baby you wouldn't see... kill itself either. No. From what we learn later on in the movie. Like, they're, they're not self-destructive. So it, it's this weird thing that. It, it's a weird choice. To me. Yeah, that scene was weird. It was just, like, phone call. I'm mad. Hang up. Knife. Stomach. The end. Yeah. There, there was, like... <laughs> she could have had a bigger role, because she was a reporter for a newspaper. Yeah. You know, she, she could have been more investigative or something. Yeah. Gotten to the bottom of it. <laughs> they know. could have worked together, because, you yeah. know, the next day, Virginia goes to meet Beth at work. Beth doesn't show up because she, you know... Oh, she doesn't kill herself. I'm sorry. She stabs herself into a coma. That's when it ends up happening. Yeah, she doesn't... She's, like, brain dead, basically. And then we see later on in the movie that she's just used as an incubator for this baby to continue to be born. Yeah. So I think and... the only reason she really stabs herself is because they needed a little bit more gore at that point rather than progressing any sort of, like, thriller story yeah. side of thing. That's the only thing I can think of. So. I'm, like, okay, I'm confused... So the DeWitts, they have a child from this doctor, Dr. Meyerling, mm-hmm. but they don't, like the Mrs. DeWitt, she doesn't talk about her pregnancy being as hard as these women that we're seeing going through. Like, did she get this rash on her and then she start lashing out? And then it seems like all the babies that are born automatically kill the mothers. Well, it makes it very difficult. Like, the, the bodies basically repel the baby because it's unnatural. It's not like a, a full human. It's modified genetics, yeah, whatever is what they're trying to the, say. The DeWitts don't they, even talk about her pregnancy. Unless, was I it like some surrogate or something? Or, I don't even know. No, it wasn't a surrogate, I don't think. I, I'd have to rewatch the opening scene. But there is that one scene when they're having dinner, and it's pretty easy to tune it out. Right? Because yeah, like, you're they're... focusing on their passive-aggressive behavior, their waspiness, their, you know, um, snide remarks. But I think there probably are a couple lines in there where she says that, it was a difficult thing, but it was worth it. Okay. You know, something like that is probably what was said. Um, but yeah, I don't think they go into details of what happened to her. Instead, what we see is like Virginia going to the doctor, Meyerling's office, and basically saying, hey, I had this rash, and him, you know, shrugging it off. is like, oh yeah, that's normal. That's, these things will happen type of a response. Mm-hmm. And her not getting second opinions or anything. Meanwhile, there's, like, this B-plot of her having a book that's coming out. She's a children's author, children's yeah, book author. she's a writer. And she's going to go on TV to promote it, and the DeWitts have helped her out with that as well. Um, somehow. I don't know how they know the television people, but they do. Yeah, they get her a spot to talk about 
her most recent book, I guess. And so, yeah, she's been having a lot of trouble. She went through that rampage in her own house, destroying everything, um, killing stuff. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, she unknowingly kills her cat. Yes, while petting it. She's, she's just staring off into space and, and is petting it, and then... You don't see that the killing is just all of a sudden you hear the rear and then she looks down and you know blood on cat yeah and then she's delusional about it he's like oh you're resting huh like okay well let's get to your mouse and we'll wake you up we'll wake you up and then she tears the entire house apart looking for this toy mouse for her cat that's already dead but meanwhile by the way we should say that brad is off in new york for a merger you know because convenient he's a convenient business stuff yeah um and, and the Dewitts are the Dewitts. The uh, the husband is like his partner, I guess. Well, yeah, they, they just they work, work together. The they work office. in the same firm, exactly. Because I mean, even Brad is like, I mean, Brad and Virginia do not really like the Dewitts, but it's just like Brad is like, well, imagine working with him every day. Yeah, they tolerate him, and you know they'll take advice when it comes. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we've all had people like that that we've worked with at some point. But these people are constantly, like, hanging out. I'm like, I don't hang out with my coworkers like, once a week. No, I mean, well, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's plot, and they try not I know, to throw too many but... characters at you, which is good. It's like, jeez. Um, but, yeah, you kind of wish that, you know, the DeWitts focus so centrally in the early part of the movie, you kind of wish that more would happen to them besides just that, you know... Uh, coming home to see their son like you know i want to see the girl go after the dewitts too like why not have yeah they could have yeah they could have shown the little go- girl a little more being i don't know evil or whatever but i mean we don't know if that's really the intention right because dr Myling is he's basically trying to build like a master race inside of people right he's like genetically modifying these people to be superior um, with, beings. Yeah, like to have like than... super smart, super strong baby population yeah. that will take over the world. That's his goal. But they don't really say much more than that. So, I mean, it may not make sense for that two-year-old who can't, you know, hold a job yet to kill her parents just because she is physically capable of doing so. So we don't know that part it of the makes war. Them, but, I mean, when these other women who are pregnant, they are being i don't know controlled by the babies and it's the the one couple the new agey couple the pregnant woman she's killing her partner Uh and she's just like i can only love one human being and it's gonna be my baby now so i don't love you yeah so I, i have to kill you because otherwise there's not enough love for two beings. It yeah, but baby, so I, mean, I have to kill you. Yeah, Virginia and that's basically didn't, the baby talking. But Virginia didn't really go through that. She just kind of. She might not have been far enough along to. Who knows? I don't even know. <laughs> and we don't see if Beth is partnered up with anybody, so we don't get to see that aspect of it. So. So yeah, they only show um, the they only three, show those three. Yeah, they only show the three women. So it's Beth, and then this you know other couple that. You know, the new age couple. Yeah, you got Gloria Starchild is the yeah. character's name, which I don't know if they say that by name, but I don't know. Um, played by Wendy Hammers, or Wendy Kamenoff, as she was known back then. 
she was a stand-up comic, did just a couple of small TV parts. And then she was partnered up with Kathy Griffin, who played a character named Connie Chicago. That's so hilarious. But I don't think they ever said her last name in the movie. No, it's just but they're, it's there in the credits. their names are hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they, they. I don't think they said their full names, because I don't remember hearing Connie Chicago. <laughs> no, I remember hearing Connie, but yeah. not Connie Chicago. Uh, so, yeah, Kathy Griffin I mean, is there. Yeah, you have all these people from, like, the groundlings in this movie yeah. because lisa kudrow is also in it and she is the dr meyerling's receptionist i guess yeah she's there for like a scene yeah and she's given a full name of louisa krelm so, <laughs> i like... wonder if they i wonder if they pick like can pick their own oh, names cool. yeah. <laughs> like, lisa kudrow is like i want to be Lu- louisa krelm right <laughs> And then Kathy Griffith is like, I'm Connie I'm Chicago. Child. I'm Gloria Starchild. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Like, I don't know. It's funny. Um, but so... I mean, <laughs> I don't know. it's just interesting how they have these comedians in this movie. Yeah. I mean, that's probably relatively common for lower budget films. They find people who just want to be in projects and, you know, local stand up and improv yeah, areas okay. are, are a good resource for that. You know, it's... <laughs> get them uh get them some random experience um so yeah that's anyway so yeah there are some deaths and stuff in there but basically yeah the last half hour is when things really start to ramp up a bit more um and it sort of reminded me of that movie the brain do you remember watching that sort of yeah uh but basically like there's like this brain that's controlling the airwaves or it's being like pumped out into tv and it's like you know mind controlling a lot of the population and stuff like that Mm -hmm. except it's you know the babies are doing that from within um and so virginia goes to dr Marling's office to confront him and again it's weird that she never goes to like a legitimate doctor to try to get a testing or second opinion done or anything like that yeah none of these women. and again like maybe that's because of that whole depression thing because they make that as to be like one of the worst things in the world is that you know she has had but i feel like dr myron ling is just kind of like i don't know i don't want to say gaslight i guess gaslighting them i don't know yeah i mean yeah there could be some manipulative the... language yeah, like, that happened yeah there. I mean, there is this one point that I, I wrote down this line because she was asking Dr. Marling back when she thought he was legitimate about, you know, how she had been on antidepressants at certain points in her life and worried because of the genetics of her mother that also suffered it. And, and basically he said, don't worry, your baby's going to be fine. Quote, unquote, there's no madness in your blood. Mm-hmm. Right. So like that's how they treat it in 1991. It feels like, you know, middle ages talk now. <laughs> it's like, don't worry, we could leech it right out of you um same type of vibe um so yeah you're right i mean that could very well be part of it um but she does try to get an abortion at some point before going to dr right but she's already like third trimester or at least that's what they say but she's not according to her oh that's that was part of the conversation is like you're too far along you're in your third trimester and she's like no i'm not that's impossible Oh, so is this kind of like the terror within? I guess. Where, Maybe. Are these yeah, babies could be part of that? Like, are these they're babies growing, so growing rapidly? Like, I mean, they don't really imply that at all. No, I don't know. Other than like maybe because the stomachs burst. I don't know. Like, is that them like growing 
too fast to and then they just come out that way but it's just that's why i'm so confused with the dewitts so they just had a smooth birth with this child but like all these other women are having horrible births where they come out through the stomach or i don't know yeah unless is there any way like i wasn't paying attention and we were watching the vhs copy right yeah is there any way that the opening scene was the dewitts but then that blonde lady was it didn't look the same to me but that i thought that was just a random couple i thought so too but i mean just sort of thinking out loud right now is, oh. You know, is there any way that that was us watching the DeWitts? But I don't remember their faces well enough. And it's been a couple of days now since we've watched it that I can't really fully make the connection. I mean, when I... That's... Okay, so when we were watching it, that I thought that's... I thought that, I guess, while watching the movie. But then I was like, but how did she live, the mom? Oh, stitch her up. Uh, I mean, who knows? Like, how did Beth survive her stabbing her own stomach a bunch of times and the baby survived it too? I mean, they show that. Okay. So, I mean, like, movie magic. Um, But, I mean, Beth is, you know, she becomes brain dead. So maybe she, like, hit a freaking artery or, I don't know, (laughs) causing her to lose blood in the brain but the baby is fine you know they don't explain any of this no they don't explain a lot they just show that yeah the baby basically still won that battle yeah or maybe the baby was controlling beth and knew how to stab in certain spots that it it would be fine and get rid of her who was going they don't yeah they they don't literally don't explain anything besides that this doctor wants superhuman children to rule the world yeah just too bad um but we do get dr marling's like you know one sentence synopsis of yeah these babies are going to take over the world type of speech at the end and oh by the way we no longer need you mothers to do this because we have this incubating pen back in this back room and you see all these pods of like babies growing yeah yeah, like you know abyss tubes or whatever you know like baby balloons basically is what they're they are just just filled with fluids and growing growing monsters um and that you know gets to a nice fun climactic scene but okay yeah before all that oh yeah we were talking about the abortion clinic i don't know if that's what you're going back to you do like trigger warning for any of this yeah consider this that so, yeah, Virginia is just to the point where she's figuring all of this stuff out. And that's where she... Well, she lashes out that one night because her husband is gone. She finds out that Beth is dead. Well, she's missing because uh-huh. she doesn't know that she's... She doesn't know that Beth is dead yet. And then her mom is coming to visit her for this TV spot for her book. Right. Deal. Yeah, the mom comes in to, to visit. And, you know, the next day she wakes up. Well, her mom comes in and the house is, like, ransacked. And the mom is not super alarmed. She's just like, where are you? Type of thing. And mm-hmm. Virginia's laying in this, like, pile of, like, clothes, like, strewn about the house or whatever. And her mo- her mom is like what are you doing? Like, she doesn't say, hey, are you okay? Because the house is literally, like, turned upside down. Yeah. 
She doesn't say, oh, what happened? Are you okay? Is the baby okay? Like, she just like, what are you doing on the floor? Yeah. Sleeping there. Yeah. And then that's when Virginia is like, oh, what time is it? And it's like 8.30 in the morning, I guess. I gotta get to my TV show. She's like, oh, I gotta get on my TV show. And then they show, you know, the TV. It cuts to, like, the scene where the... uh, I guess the um, host of the TV show, mm-hmm. she's just like, where the fuck is that bitch? Blah, blah, yeah, yeah. That type of stuff. Yeah, typical stereotype, you know, yeah, stereotype. Stereotype of, uh, of like nice on screen, but like bitchy off screen yep. type thing. And Virginia just kind of run, runs in all frantically. And then, you know, they start her little segment and the TV host is just, you know, trying to talk about her book and Virginia's kind of just sitting there. Yeah. And it's shot very weirdly too. I just want to say that because we're seeing a long shot of a TV on the show floor, Mm -hmm. like on the stage. And then behind the TV, you can see them on the stage on the couch on yeah. the stage so you're watching and you can't the see TV. any of it very clearly yeah you can you're, you're watching the, the tv audio. watch them but you can't even really like see the, the tv monitor. very clearly yeah, yeah. because it's so far away um but yeah exactly so she's just trying to she's just sort of like sitting there like not really saying anything staring off in the space and then the woman's trying to engage talk about her book and then she's like okay well you're pregnant now and that's when Virginia's like, yeah, it's like hell. Yeah. And then, you know, the TV... Yeah, this is not my baby. This <laughs> yeah. is yeah, creature inside And then the TV host, she's like, oh, yeah, when I was pregnant, I felt like, you know, she's trying to mm-hmm. lighten the mood. But then that's when Virginia uh, just kind of cuts her off. And she's like, the, the that's when... Uh, yeah. It's sort of, it's like the brain again. Yeah. The, but the her stomach <laughs> starts network, bleeding, want, like, though. Mainstream like, movie. the stomach. Oh, yeah, she starts to burst a little bit. So yeah. that's what I was like... What, is she gonna die? Or is the baby coming out? Like, why is... It's only her stomach is bleeding. It's not, like, going down her legs or anything. Right. It's like... That's where I was confused. Yeah, the baby's, like, attacking her or something. From the inside? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. don't talk bad about it. Don't, you know, give up the plan. And so, I'm gonna make you bleed. Like, punching her or something? Like, beating her up from within. Yeah. And she's bleeding. And then she kind of, like, passes out. But then that's the end. I wish there was more to the special effects. Or more, like, you know, like... More gore or something. Show the point of view of the baby or something. You know what I mean? Like, give us a better clue as to what's going on. I don't know. Yeah, I don't... That's... I was like, is she giving birth right then and there but then no because no. then she wants to go to that's when, the abortion that's when, clinic well no she gets taken to the hospital first at that time oh. and that's when she sees beth in the coma and she uncovers her and sees the you know giant alien Womb. creature yeah, thing yeah. that's basically like an open yeah it's like her open unit whatever you want to call it womb is like exposed <laughs> yeah. it's just like that amniotic sack glowing sort of and you can see the baby growing in it or whatever but yeah then she escapes um tries calling cat like she escapes from the hospital after seeing that uh try well not hospital it's the it's dr myling's clinic um it's like they don't take her to the closest er they just take her straight to her doctor exactly and they knew who her (laughs) doctor was yeah 
I mean, maybe the mom told him because she was there at the TV appearance yeah, or something. But, but yeah. I mean, I don't... Did it's, they say where they live? Uh, like what city? I don't remember now. Oh, okay. But anyways, they live in a city. They can go to the nearest hospital. Yeah, I mean, like, it, there's probably... If we knew what the call letters were of the TV station, that's probably... They, they probably mentioned it that, that way. Um, but yeah, you know, movie logic again yeah. um, but anyway she escapes and then she, instead of trying to call the cops or another doctor or whatever she calls connie chicago <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um who is we learn being attacked by her partner right uh, and killed at that point so gloria star child um she but, goes and, and but then after goes. that that's when she goes for the abortion stuff yeah but she goes to connie chicago's apartment to go see what happened Right? I don't remember that. I think we just see it on screen. Okay, I thought she went to go to her apartment, and that's when the cops came and like escorted her back home, because her Could mom. Could be. There's there's a lot of things like okay, the movie was going so slow, and then it starts to get a lot. It faster. like escalates, and th- this is like and like is we're this trying like to take a... notes while we're watching, right, right. so like I could have easily missed that. Uh, but <laughs> it it like the. I don't know. This is like a 1991 thing that we're seeing. It's like all these movies are so slow. And then the last 20 minutes, it's like chaos happens. Yeah. And everything happens in 20 minutes. Yeah. So and anyway, then... uh, back to the abortion. Again. <laughs> right. Oh, God. But um, then, yeah, she's like, I want this thing out of me. This is not my baby. And that's when she goes to... A clinic but the clinic is like no you're too far along you're in your third trimester but then that's when you said she's like no I'm, yeah, I'm I shouldn't be right but then they don't explain about and they're just like oh the well, babies like we could refer rapidly to... growing inside them yeah, yeah. And, and also like the clinic I think says something about we can refer you to somebody to get you treatment for the baby mm-hmm and she like denies that she's like Neh. and she just she goes meets to... up with this guy who's like in the hallway saying hey i can do it for 50 bucks or what you know it was like 500, five, 500. she's like if he's like if you have 500 bucks i can help you out and then they go into this basement of this random building mm-hmm. and it's, it's this is scary and then they i guess they just perform the abortion they don't even um I don't know. They don't show it. It's no. just the only reason we know it's been done is because at some point she she comes back home and she has a flat stomach immediately. And uh, and the husband goes to the dumpster behind the clinic and retrieves the baby. No. <laughs> well, who does? She does because oh, she does. I she comes home. Oh no! Yeah, it must have been her. She comes home and then her mom is already home. Yeah. But I thought her mom went, because her mom went with her to the first clinic. I just don't know why she went back to the dumpster. That because the baby remember. was crying. She heard the baby oh, crying. Oh, she heard the baby crying in her mind, and it yes. her. This is where I started thinking. See, all kinds of crazy stuff happens at the end of this movie. This is where I started thinking, okay, is this like, you haven't seen this, <laughs> But is this like Eraserhead? Because in Eraserhead, the baby is just like crying. And it's like that same type of crying throughout the movie. I'm like, oh, is this Eraserhead all of a sudden? 
But then... It was getting weird, because they had, like, that guy with, like, missing limbs on a skateboard just randomly going down you know, the alley she's on following the crying noise of the baby. I'm just saying there's, like, you know, all of a sudden here's some... Like, homeless guy on a... Skateboard. Skateboard who's, who's like, like, missing limbs. arms and yeah. legs and stuff. Yeah. It, it's, it's just weird stuff. But that's... I was, like... Did they call David Lynch and he gave them like a five minute segment? <laughs> I don't know. I was like, what is going on here? They could have been inspired. Like, Who knows? I mean, yeah, cause also the dumpster thing, too. I don't know. But, um, uh, but yeah. so she hears the baby crying in the dumpster from where she had the, the abortion from these random guys. And they don't show the baby, but. All of a sudden, you, she's like digging through garbage, and then all of a sudden, something jumps out at her. You don't really see it. Mm-hmm. And then cut to. And the then cuts to her sitting in a chair, and then that's when home. her husband comes home. Yeah. And that's when we finally get to see the baby. I was I was waiting. I was like, is it gonna look like the baby and erase her head? Cause. No. It thank looks you. like <laughs> it looks like Cotto. It, it looks like that, but then also kind of like Freddy Krueger when he was a baby. Yeah, that's true too. Cause it 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 makes like this demon face. It's his yeah. His it's I don't know if it's his or her, I don't know. Its eyes are red and it's just like frowning or whatever. Yeah, it's it's a very creepy looking baby. Um, yeah, Quato slash Freddy Krueger baby. And it's pretty. F- funny to be honest like this movie it gets like so weird it's yeah and then it ends like weirdly (laughs) it's so wacky and crazy that like it goes from being super slow to super crazy but all the craziness was just funny it wasn't no yeah and then it's also not really scary at all and the effects are also not very good almost everything that happens in this is like a woman's stomach having something done to it right bursting or when she's like writing Bleeding. the shapes and yeah. the the stomach is tracing the shapes from i the didn't inside. understand that either because it was just like triangle circle square i think it was supposed to be uh making you think that it could have some alien in it or something like it's some secret language that or you know, like the baby is already smart enough that it knows shapes already like within her womb or just to show that there's this mental connection but why the shapes they don't explain that so that was weird to me yeah everything's weird to me in this movie it's all stomach based and it all looks extremely fake um and then the baby looks grotesque and you know very basic um i mean honestly some of the effects that we saw in the terror within two a different roger corman movie were a little bit better than this I think. Maybe. At least, like, on the makeup and the gore side of things. Um, But, yeah, it's it's just such a weird thing. I think the coolest part was at the end when you have, like, all those, you know, baby balloons or cocoons or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, that was the most, uh, like, I don't know, creepy part. Explode and whatnot. Yeah. That was probably the coolest part. (laughs) And then, like, the very end. The very end just like just ended and well then I was it like, ends what? that like virginia's mom is driving them back from wherever 
or they're no, driving Virginia, into somewhere. Because that's when Virginia wants. She goes to Myerling's office and she confronts him about this whole thing, and that's when he confesses. Yeah, I want to make this, you know, better race for our children. Blah. And then he shows. He's like, I don't even need mothers anymore. And then he shows her that room. She has a gun. Yeah. And he's like, no, don't kill the babies. But she kills him first. And then starts shooting some of the babies. And then some of the babies' wombs, like, fall on this guy's face. Like, you see, yeah. like... That's probably, like, the She shoots, like, the grossest. power supply or something like that. Yeah, the grossest well, so thing. Bit... You see, like, just this... Yeah, bunch of guts like, and whatnot. Yeah, mucus and, like, whatever falling all over him. But that was the end of that scene. It was like, okay, he's dead, and some of these babies that are growing are dead. But not all of them are. Yeah, but I mean, like... She cuts the supply off, so maybe they will die. Exactly, yeah. Like, the the overall terror is, is over, right? Like, you know... Right. The mastermind is dead. All these things are gone. And, well, and then we go... I mean, we're going back and forth. So, when the husband comes home from his trip, sees her in the chair. She has the... She's breastfeeding the baby... He sees the baby. He freaks out. He's like, ugh, not that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then all of a sudden the baby takes, like, what, a knife or something? Sharp. No, one of the knitting needles that the oh, mom she's, sent. Okay, she's knitting? Well, I mean... Just a knitting needle. Yeah, there's a thing at the very beginning of the movie. of like, oh, well, what are you going to do when you're a mother or whatever? And, like, Here, Virginia's like mom it. had sent her yarn and knitting needles. <laughs> and then, so the... <laughs> The dad reacts to the baby. He's like, ew, not this, basically. Right. And then the baby just takes a knitting needle and throat, like jabs it in the guy's eye. And he's dead. We assume. Yeah. Yeah. And, um... But I don't know the why mom... they're driving in the car. Yeah. But they're driving in a car. The mom's driving in a car after I the shooting. I they're, think they're escaping the baby because they don't know the baby's in the car. Right. But, but the yeah, baby like, is in the car. And yes, then the baby is under the pedals. Yes. <laughs> somehow under the pedals. Yeah, the mom is driving because Virginia is just like too out of it. And uh yeah, the baby's in the pedals, starts like messing around with her feet, I guess. And then the mom is driving but also trying to like stop the baby or something. And then yeah, it crashes and they crash. <laughs> they crash the and the car flips over and then I don't know, I guess the mom is dead, but Virginia is not and the baby is not. No, because we see the baby like trying to crawl on some rocks and then Virginia's like, it's okay. And then the end and then the end of the movie. <laughs> and I was like, but what? But the way it ends, it's kind of like the sun is set. It's like very red. Yeah. The sun is setting. It looks as if it's like on fire. Like the world's on fire. Is that just like I think it's supposed to be shadowing or something. Yeah, I don't know. Because there is a sequel to this movie. Yeah, there which is. we did not watch. It was released in like 94, I think it was. That's weird. Um. So, I mean, there is a sequel to this. <laughs> Uh, as far as it's I know... It's just her consoling the demon baby, I guess. Yeah, I don't think Virginia is in it. I don't think Brooke Adams is making a return appearance, but... Yeah, it's it's a very weird thing. It's a slow build. Um, but the last 20 said. minutes are just 
it's frantic and, and it's funny and it's, yeah. it's actually pretty fun, but yeah, none of it really makes much sense at all. Yeah. Um, so should we talk a little bit about the cast and crew? Yeah, go ahead. Um, so we got Robin Flender who did the directing. This is his directorial debut. He went on to do a movie called In the Heat of Passion, which also had Lisa Kudrow in it. Mm-hmm. Um, he did Leprechaun 2. He did Idle Hands. Um, he did TV such as Tales from the Crypt, Party of Five, Arliss. Uh, he's also done a couple episodes of The Office. Um, and he's also a producer on Slumber Party Massacre 3. I always wanted to try to mention that series when I can. Um, he's also the uncle of Timothy Chamel- Chalamet, which is okay. weird. Uh, the writing was credited under Henry Dominic, but it's actually two people. John Brancato and Michael Ferris, who frequently work together, they do, um, they'll be in the 1991 movies Flight of the Black Angel, Femme Fatale, Mind Warp, and Into the Sun. So they have five movies in 1991 that we'll see eventually. Uh, they also went on to do things like The Net, The Game, Terminator 3, Terminator Salvation, and also Catwoman, which got. Oh, these. All of those movies are. <laughs> Terminator Hard. 3 is not bad. The net's fun. The game I really like, actually. Um, and then uh, Michael Ferris went on to do some solo work as uh, a writer for The Simpsons pretty recently. And also he uh, has an Emmy nomination for writing for Rugrats. So <laughs> I would have loved to see a Rugrats episode based off of The Unborn. Hmm. See how that worked out. Um, but yeah, same guy who did Rugrats did The Unborn. Uh also on the technical side, uh, we got Wally Pfister doing the cinematography. I only mentioned him because second week in a row we have a uh, Roger Corman movie with an Oscar-winning cinematographer doing an early movie. Crazy. So Wally Pfister went on to win an Oscar for Inception. Uh, he was also nominated for Batman Begins, The Prestige, and The Dark Knight. Uh, so as you can tell, he's basically Christopher Nolan's go-to guy for cinematography. That's so interesting i don't know i'm flabbergasted by this yeah i don't it's like you, you know, don't see it the in cinema- these movies yeah the cinematography for terror within two where the guy goes off to do janusz kaminski yeah yeah he starts to do all like, the spielberg all, stuff yeah, spielberg <laughs> stuff and then you have this guy that's doing all the christopher nolan stuff yeah like yeah. going on to big directors and then you don't see any of this work no, like at least and like then with... you wonder like what did they do in the past couple of years to get to be so great at it? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like we when we watched um, Quaron's movie. Yeah, you, know, you can tell you that that's tell. great there's, cinematography. Exactly. There's like legitimately good camera work and cinematography. Even there. like for Europa, automatically. Well, that was a well-established director, but yeah, Lars von Trier was. You know. He was already okay. Yeah. Uh, Wally Fister went to school with um, uh, Janusz, who did Terror huh. Within Two, and they're you know kind of a grouping of friends that went on to help Roger Corman with their productions and stuff like that. It's like sort of a thing. Um, but I found a quote on IMDb from Wally Fister about The Unborn, and he said that the first movie that I shot as cinematographer was called The Unborn. It was a horror movie. I had something I wanted to try with color and light, but it's ghastly. At the same time, I cut myself slack because my creative reach went beyond my skill level. 
That's a really important thing to note. I had great ideas, but if you don't have the skill level, you're never going to master the artistry. That's where I was early on, and I needed to put the hard work in and slowly work my way up. So, I don't know what he was trying to do with color and light in that movie at all. Except for maybe at the very end with the red back, like, the backdrop was so red, it looked like the sun was like on fire. That's why I was like, is this alluding to what's going to happen in the second movie or something? I don't know. I'm not sure. So, that's that's that. Uh, so, we have Oscar winners in this thing. Um also, we have, you know, Grammy, I'm assuming Grammy winners, I actually didn't look this up, but the score was done by Gary Newman and Michael That's R. Smith. Um, we didn't talk about the score, but I actually really liked the score. Oh, yeah. It was, um, you it's know, no when you cam, think of Gary Newman, like, you think of, like, synth stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah cam, and that's what like, this from is. Pieces. Um, this is synth, and it's also, you know, very moody, not overbearing, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I like the music. It's really good. And and Gary Newman really did virtually no scores at all. Except for this. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he, he really did, like, this and, like, a documentary in 2008 and then I think, like, one other movie hmm. um, that really wasn't a big budget thing or, you know, like, wasn't even, you know, an indie, whatever. It's it's a very low, low in the totem pole, whatever type of a production. And that was it, which is weird, but, you know, he doesn't need it. He has a very successful career. <laughs> he doesn't need... Uh... But he could have gone along the ways of, like... Trent Reznor? Yeah, Trent Reznor. Or, like um, who's the guy from Papa Weed itself? I can't remember his name. Clint Mansell? Um, yeah. You know, he could have... Yeah, he could have been that way. But maybe he just doesn't enjoy the composing side of music making. Like, you know, for other people. Who right. knows? But, uh, yeah, they did the music and it's actually a really good score. Um, talking about the cast, uh, Brooke Adams, Virginia Marshall, she was a Saturn nominee. Uh, we're going to talk about the Saturn Awards. We haven't really talked about that before, but it's basically, uh, the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. Their award is the Saturn. Uh, this movie was nominated for Best Genre Video Release, uh, but it lost to a movie called Soul Taker, which is actually from 1990. Mm. or either 92 there's like a weird span of three years that this particular awards show covered brooke adams is nominated or was nominated for invasion of the body snatchers Uh, she also has a spirit nomination for gas food lodging in 1992 she's been in the dead zone almost you cuba days of heaven and she's also in the 1991 movie sometimes they come back so we'll see her again she will come back in that stephen king inspired movie she's also been on the tv show monk where she's played four different characters throughout the course of that series and that's because she's married to tony shalhoub i've never watched Monk, but i've never watched monk either i remember Uh, her okay because i was like i know this woman and she's in the babysitters club movie oh okay (laughs) (laughs) that's where i was like I, i was looking at the credits i'm like where do i know this woman and then i was like oh the babysitters club movie But yeah, she actually had a pretty good career up until... I mean, I'm not saying that she doesn't have a career in 1991, but I'm saying, like, she yeah. was well-established for a good 15 years before oh, this yeah. movie came out. <laughs> so, I was just like, was I know this roles. face. Uh, her husband, Jeff Hyenga, uh, just for the fact that I can't pronounce his name, tells you how prominent he is. He was in Other People's Money as a person named Klein. I don't know who that is. 
do not remember that movie well enough to know who probably was. just one of the businessmen yeah maybe um or like one of the lawyers or something like that in the so room. he just played a lawyer probably uh otherwise he's done a bunch of tv one-off appearances and he also wrote two episodes of the soap another world so huh. it was weird to see that he also was a writer for that as opposed to just acting uh, James Karen, who played Dr. Richard Meyerling, is probably uh, best known to some as the spokesman for Pathmark Supermarkets. I don't know where Pathmark Supermarkets are, but he was yeah. the voice of that uh, chain uh, for about 30 years, three decades. Um, but otherwise, in terms of acting, he has done quite a bit. He is also a Saturn nominee for Return of the Living Dead. He's in the 1991 movie Spirit of the Eagle, Absolute Strangers, Lies Before Kisses, um, and also in 1991 he was in MathNet on Square One Television, Hmm. which I also like to mention whenever I can. Uh, But he actually does have quite an extensive career, just nothing that I personally know all that much. Kate Callan played the mother, uh, Martha. She's also in Flight of Black Angel, written by John Bracado and Michael Ferris. Um... She was probably best known for her role as Martha Kent, Clark Kent's mother in the Lois and Clark series that uh, starred Dean Cain and um, what's her face? I can't remember her name. Terry. Terry Hatcher. Hatcher. I wanted to say something else. Uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But yeah, so that's how she's probably best known to a lot of people. She's also on Meet the Browns and Carnival and she also was one of the many people in Knives Out. Um... What else we got? We already talked about Kathy Griffin. Everyone knows who Kathy. Everyone knows who Kathy Griffin is. I think at this point, um, we talked about Lisa Kudrow as well. Uh, one thing I will mention is that uh, Lisa Kudrow does have an MTV Movie nomination or you know MTV Awards nomination. Out of this group, she's the only one that does, and that's for Best Dance Sequence for Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Okay. Lost to Austin Powers one, unfortunately. I like that dancing in Romeo and Michelle. Yeah. Uh, the housekeeper that the DeWitts berated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've seen her before. She was Carlos's mom in Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, but she'll also be in a couple other movies, The Fires Within, Big Girls Don't Cry, They Get Even. And also... She's supposedly the mother of the bad religion drummer Bobby Shayer. So okay. that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's really about it. I mean, there's a there's quite a few characters, some that we've seen. Uh, Brad Blaisdell we saw last week in Terror Within Two. He played Bo, who you know lured um, what's his face into the into the brush to try to kill the lead character in, in that, and he's back as just a mild mannered newspaper reporter is like oh i'll go try to find beth so yeah that was that was that 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 guy (laughs) that's all he is um but yeah that's the casting crew a bunch of comedians a bunch of stand-ups and then a bunch of other random people who just converge to make this Mm -hmm. uh in terms of awards that we haven't talked about just on the movie level we talked about the saturn nominee uh, also, the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. There were a few nominations, but no wins. Actress Brooke Adams was nominated, but lost to Jodie Foster. Supporting actor for James Karen, uh, but he lost to Brad Dorif, 
who won for the movie Body Parts, which will come at some point in the future on the podcast, probably. And then it was also nominated for Best Independent or Low Budget Film, but that lost to The Bride of Reanimator, uh, which is not 1991. It is um, 1990, I believe. So, a couple nominees, but no awards, but at least successful enough to get a sequel. It made yeah, about. I think I 1. saw yeah. $1.1 million <laughs> dollars in the made, box office. It made one, yeah, but do you know how much the budget was? I do not have budget info, oh. no. The opening weekend was quoted as being about 180000 so it had a pretty limited release, I would guess. Okay. And it was probably, you know, Roger Corman, they're not known for putting things out into a mass market for cinemas. It's mostly like a direct-to-video type of a thing for the the vast majority of their productions so limited release and then off to home video where it got a sequel so on to true crime and pop culture yep so i don't have anything true crime this time so i'm just gonna go straight into music and then we can talk a little bit about tv so for the top, the 100 chart, the top five songs as of March 30th, 1991, the first, n- number one is um, Coming Out of the Dark by Gloria Estefan. And this was, you know, the song that came out right after her bus accident. Hmm, Do you okay. remember that? I remember the bus accident. I don't remember the song. Oh, this was it, Coming Out of the Dark. Well, I understand, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know it by name. Oh, okay. I don't know. Oh, I know this song because I just know a lot of adult contemporary songs from, from yeah, your, this time. <laughs> your time working at grocery stores. Yes, and I know. <laughs> for some reason, I know the reasons why. I don't know. Maybe watching pop up video. Who knows? Mm. Um, and then number two was "One More Try" by Timmy T. I know that song. You probably won't. It doesn't it's sound a, familiar. It's a freestyle song. That's another, like, we haven't really got into, like, talking about freestyle, but, like, freestyle is, like, huge around this time. Yeah, the, when I think freestyle, I think freestyle rap, which is not. No, freestyle. <laughs> not the genre of music I kind of wanted to do, like, I always think about, like, what can I do as a mini episode, and then I thought about doing freestyle, but I don't know, like, the history of it, because to me, I mean, I grew up listening to this type of music, and I always thought of it as roller skating music, because it's that type of music. Yeah. And I used, yeah, I used to go roller skating a lot <laughs> around this time. So you heard a lot of TNT. So yes. Yeah. And number three is This House by Tracy Spencer, which, I mean, we're going to put all this on the website. Mm-hmm. Number four is Hold You Tight by Tara Kemp. And number five is I've Been Thinking About You by London Beat. I at least know that one by name. Yeah. And then, you know, um, can't remember, like a week or two ago, and we were maybe talking about maybe popcorn. Mm-hmm. When... I was trying to look up, you know, the Star Spangled Banner. Yeah. Because I think that was like right after the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, Popcorn popcorn came out right after, like a few days after the Super Bowl, where Whitney Houston's famous Star Spangled Banner became 
a sensation. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I forgot what other... Ep- I forgot the other episode where it was like number 98. Right. Now it's uh, as of March 30th, 1991. It was number 20 on the charts. Wow. So yeah, I think... I want to... Yeah, I'm going to do like a a tracker. I'm going to track it to see like when it became like first week. So this is probably... It doesn't say like... Some of them say like, you know, three weeks on, you know, the charts. But... This just says number 20, and it's risen so far. Okay, moving on to TV. I mean, March 29th was a Friday. And, you know, it's the typical TGIF lineup. And then a lot of the TV we've talked about already. So on CBS was Guns of Paradise, which we talked about. That Yeah. Western. You're right. After that was Dallas, and then... After that was a show called True Detectives, not True Detective. Okay. Do you know anything about this, or do you no. have you heard of it? No, not at all. Me neither. And I just I just found like a tiny little thing. It's a reality-based TV series where real and amateur detectives present some of their toughest cases through dramatic reenactments and interviews with actual eyewitnesses. So it was kind of like... That would have been my guess. It was like Unsolved Mysteries or like America's Most Wanted type of a deal. Yeah. It sounds very interesting. But the host of that show was Gregory Harrison, who played Bill in Bear Essentials. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, this guy. (laughs) I was like, this guy's the host? The the least known movie that we've covered so far. Right. He's the host of this. Yeah. I just thought that was very interesting. I didn't notice that when I was pulling my credits together, but I usually don't look at the self section on IMDb where they Mm, find themselves. That's where all the hosting stuff is. And then, I mean, on Fox was America's Most Wanted and the show Against the Law. We talked about that, too, about... It was, you know, obviously a lawyer show, and it had um, Michael O'Keefe from Roseanne mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, that came up, I think, in the Popcorn episode, too, possibly. Yeah, yeah, because I think Popcorn was... This is only was a couple weeks Feb- later, yeah. Well, it's like a month and a half. Right. Popcorn's February, and this is just, you know, a month later. Yeah. And then that was it for TV, but then we did look up a Johnny Carson episode that was released... February February 21st, 21st 1991 because Brooke Adams was a guest on it and she was talking about this movie but Among she only, others. Yeah, other movies that she was in too, but she barely talked about this movie. Yeah, yeah, they talked about her history a little bit and they also talked about how um she had just done three movies back to back. It was like The Unborn um and when she gave the description of the movie like the audience just laughed at how ridiculous Right. The concept was. Um, and then she talked about Sometimes They Come Back was the next one that she did. And then she talked about a third one, which she did not name. But it's Gas Food Lodging. Cause but she was based like, off the description is Gas Food Lodging, she probably didn't know. Yeah, she probably didn't know the name of it yet because it was probably, you know, in production at that point. I don't know. Or they yeah. probably didn't even have a name for it. Yeah, either that or, you know, the conversation kind of just took a turn. Yeah, because she's like, I play a mother and I have two daughters. And then, like, it went into something else. Yeah. So that's that. Yeah, Uh, but but it was mostly Johnny Carson talking about how, like, why do you do horror movies? 
Right. Like, do you choose them or what? And I think that <laughs> she did okay. I mean, it seemed like the interview with her was a little condescending to me. Yeah, I mean, I always, whenever I see these older interviews with, like, any late night host talking to, like, any woman, it's just so cringy. It's like, why are you in movies, period? Like, yeah. shouldn't you be at home being a mom type of thing? Yeah, it wasn't that severe in this particular instance. But he's but just like, why some... do you do horror? Right. It was less about talking with her and is more, yeah, like weird questions. Just asking at questions her. like, why are why Putting do her you on do the this? defensive a lot. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, she, she probably gets a lot of horror movies for the same reason for other people, you know, that's what she got her start in. And that's what she said is like, you know, I started with this movie. I forget the name of it offhand and I didn't write it down, but it's um, something of a cult movie from the 70s. Shockwaves. Shockwaves. There yeah. you go. Because um, it was about like Nazi, like zombie Nazis or something like yeah. Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. With Nazi zombies. And. Um, they're joking about that. And the other guest is Jerry Seinfeld. Because, right. you know, Jerry Seinfeld is, you know, he's like, well, what's scarier than a Nazi? I don't know. Like, zombie Nazis, you know? And he's like, uh-oh, I hate when that happens uh-huh. type of stuff. And, and Jerry's there to promote the start of his show, right? It's the very beginning uh, of Seinfeld, Seinfeld coming pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, Seinfeld was released in 89. So, I mean, oh. it's like in its second season at this point. Oh, they made it sound like it was just starting. I mean, it's probably was just starting to get good. (laughs) (laughs) I know the first season is really not that great. It's just kind of there. But, I mean, second season, it, you know, it's just, you know, like how even like The Office or, you know. Yeah, it always takes a little bit to warm up. It takes like one season. Or even Parks and Rec. Because Parks and Rec, we watched the first season. We're like, this sucks. But then after season two on, it's great. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think maybe that's what it was. It could be. Uh, and then the third guest we didn't get to see in the episode that we have is like Rod McQuarrie and Colin Sweeten, who are cowboy poets. That the episode. Yeah, cut I wanted off to see they, these cowboy poets, but <laughs> they no. Didn't, they didn't well, show. I mean, in the beginning of the show, he is doing like reviews of kids' toys. Yeah, the toy fair had just happened. Or yes. Ex- like some expo, you know. With new toys coming out for yeah. kids. Yeah. So he wanted to try them out. Yep. And so yeah, this episode had like the full monologue and everything. And then, yeah, before the guests, it was this toy fair segment. where you Right. And then some of these toys were, I don't think I have any of them. One of them was a, the grasshopper, grabbing grasshoppers. I think that's the one that I know them. A lot of these toys are just like pieces that will like, things that will fall apart into a million pieces and it's like i know these things will get lost after one play like even the grab and grab grasshoppers game these yeah, things will like depending on the child be but, lost yeah but yeah a couple of these things i don't think were ever actually released but um, some of them were definitely in the market like grabbing grasshoppers where you basically like press a whole bunch of grasshoppers down and then there's like a mechanical time release type of a thing that happens and they'll jump up and you're supposed to catch them in your net right and whoever catches the most wins um so a simple kids game the first thing that they showed was the hog hauler game i don't think that ever released no it, it was just like you 
screaming suey inside this little they have these yellow tubes tubes thing but it's um, mostly attached by like, to like a game board and you have these little like plastic pieces or something inside the game board and you have to like call the hogs on the game by board saying and try to get them to the center um and i think the overall concept of it like mechanically is that the vibrations of your mouth or the sound that's coming through this tube will rattle the underside of the board and put the piece to the center yeah. along the path. I think that's the general But I'm thinking, I mean, it probably was never made because all these kids' mouths on things. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. It, it didn't it, look like it was It was like a sanitary well. thing. It was uh, very much in a prototype look. Yeah. And having that be the first thing they showed made it seem like all of these other things were going to be like pure jokes and not real products. Right. But, but some yeah, of them were. Yeah. Uh, another one that was fake, I think, or at least did not likely come out, uh, is one called, I think they called it Bow Wow. Oh, yeah. Where you have uh, this dog's head and legs and in the middle is like a dog house replacing its torso Mm -hmm. and you're supposed to reach in and try to grab the bones without making him bark so it's sort of like operation right you have to be except with a human hand instead of tweezers or something Um, right and so yeah if you touch the sides or if you make too much motion or something like that yeah if you do it too quickly it's gonna bark but i mean that seems kind of the design of it was bad Pulling yeah. a bone out of because like what kid is gonna be like I don't care if location. this dog barks at me I'm just gonna fucking take the bone out immediately. Yeah, I just meant like I don't know like <laughs> you're you're going into this area that it's basically it's crotch. Yeah, and you're pulling out a bone. Right. That's the design of the product. Yeah, it's like weird. who cares about the gameplay? Like it just like visually it's kind of awkward. Yeah, you're like. Um, yeah, you're grabbing a bone yes. out, of, out of a dog's crotch. <laughs> yes. So that one I don't think exists. Uh, but like the other one was, they're called wall bangers, like these cars that you just bang against the wall and it makes crashing sounds. Yeah. I feel like that was those real because I exist. Yes, feel like were very someone real. I knew had them. Yeah. Um, foam, I think, also might have existed. I didn't really mm. find proof of it. Yeah. But basically, it's just a saxophone, toy saxophone, where you can... Blow bubbles You know, make it. music if you want to, and it blows, yeah, bubbles off the, out the, uh, the end of it. And then the last one was another one that does exist. Yeah. It's a snapshot. Oh, I thought you meant that baby bottle one, because that also... Oh, that was one. Yeah, I didn't write that one down. Um, it was just, you know, a bottle that had three settings and, you know, one of them is a baby crying and when you feed the baby, you know, it can either burp or, or you, it makes like, or yeah, it makes like cooing sounds, Yeah, which I feel like I don't remember what they've that was escalated, called, but it does it was exist. Just, I yeah. think it was just called magic baby bottle. Maybe. There are so many evolutions of dolls yeah. around yeah, the time. Yeah, drinking from bottles. Yeah, or and color change diapers, diapers and putting makeup on your dolls by, right. you know, using hot and cold water. Yeah. All kinds of stuff like that that was gimmicky in that. And then Susie's Snapshot was the gimmicky doll where you use, like, a, a flash camera, which basically just creates a, you know, a flash of light. Um, and then that'll make the baby doll dance. Yeah, but it's like kind that. of like posing for the camera. Yeah. Sort of. So, that's what they showed. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, it was a nice little memory because it's really tough to get a sense as to when things release in terms of like board games or non-television entertainment. So it's tougher for us to cover that pop culture. So the fact that Johnny Carson helped us do that yeah. well, it was kind of fun. Uh, so on to rankings and ratings we go. On your one to five star scale, where would you put The Unborn? I mean, I'm just going to give this a one as well. Okay. <laughs> I kind of enjoyed it more than Terror Within 2. I definitely did. And I would put this above it, but I would... I don't know if I want to watch the sequel. I'm... I don't know. I'm not dying to see the sequel, but, like, reading the description of the sequel uh, makes me a little bit more intrigued. So, I yeah. do kind of wish that um, if there were Brooke recurring Adams, characters, yeah, like if Brooke Adams came back, yeah, let's she get probably uh, was Lisa like Lisa no. Kralm in this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, what happened? What happened to Lisa Kralm? What yeah. happened to his uh, assistant slash receptionist? Um, yeah, if Brooke Adams, I mean Brooke Adams was probably like, no thanks, I don't want right. to do one. But I, I just want to know what happens to her and her baby. Yeah. I, I don't think we're going to find out. I, I mean, maybe they'll tell you something at the very beginning. Um, anyway, on my 0 to 4 star scale, I'd probably rank this as a 1.5. Um, when it gets going, it's fun. Yeah. And when it's not going very well, at least some of the dialogue is more like natural and interesting, but it's you're waiting for it to get going. So because the last half is so funny and like what I like in goofy campy horror movies mm -hmm. that's why i'm giving it such a higher rating uh everything's worth watching once would you watch this again oh uh, no yeah i would not either it's there's too much dead space that it's not worth revisiting if yeah. it was all cylinders all the time and you have like yeah you if know, there's babies you know, running around and messed doing up wacky stuff, stuff going on all throughout the entire movie sure but and that's where i think nope. the sequel might be better Right, because you have this I'll world sort of established, the and the whole concept is this woman's out there trying to destroy the existing babies. Mm. So, I mean, maybe that would be fun, but uh, this one, no, you can skip watching it a second time. Uh, if you out there want to watch The Unborn, as of this recording in October 2021, it's available on Tubi, digital rental, VHS, DVD. As always, check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. It really does help us out a lot. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. Just search 1991movierewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we're done with Halloween. We're done with Horror Month, so we're going into Food Month for November, starting with Fried Green Tomatoes. That's available on IMDb TV, digital rental, VHS, DVD. We will see you then. Thanks. Thanks.